your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 434 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. That song you are hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And we got a very special episode for you guys today. I know that, you know, from talking to some of you through emails and DMs on Twitter, some of you, like I have, have already seen the Netflix documentary Untold Crime and Punishment. If you have not, seen that documentary. I cannot recommend it enough, but for anyone who might be unfamiliar with it, it's basically about an hour and a half, and it covers the rise and fall of the short-lived yet very influential Danbury Trashers. The Trashers were a professional hockey team of the now-defunct UHL. The team owner was Jimmy Galante, and Jimmy Galante made his money in the trash disposal business. He basically had an empire in the Danbury area and extending into New York a little bit as well. Uh, He got into some trouble, ended up having to serve some jail time, and all of this is covered in the documentary. But when Jimmy Galante first established the Danbury Trashers, he immediately made news, made waves by announcing his then 17-year-old son, A.J. Galante, as the general manager and president of the Danbury Trashers. And What came next was basically just pure insanity. AJ went out of his way to put together a team that he wanted to be known as the bad boys of hockey, and they absolutely lived up to that nickname. Uh, Fights every night, a passionate, rowdy fan base, uh, but also a lot of winning. You know, for all the theatrics and all the brawls that are covered in the documentary and everything that happened behind the scenes with the Danbury Trashers, they won quite a lot of games during their two years in the UHL, so uh, they had to be doing something right. But uh, joining me today is going to be AJ Galante. He's going to be talking about you know his unforgettable tenure as the general manager of the Danbury Trashers. We also get into some things happening around the NHL uh, going into this upcoming season here. And the two of us actually talk for quite a bit, so this is actually going to be part one of a two-part conversation. Part two will drop at some time next week. But for right now, part one of our conversation with Mr. AJ Galante. Enjoy. All right. And so with no further ado, let's go ahead and welcome in today's very special guest, former 17-year-old general manager and president of the Danbury Trassers, Mr. AJ Galante. AJ, how you you doing today, buddy? John, how are you, pal? Thanks for having me. Uh, Yeah, it's my pleasure. You know, obviously, I watched the documentary right when it came out. I watched it again last night, and I have so many questions for you. Uh, But first, I just figured, you know, I'd ask you about the documentary itself. Uh, How did it all sort of come to be? You know, did they reach out to you? Did they reach out to your father initially? And, you know, what made you think that this was the time that you were definitely ready to talk about, uh, you know, your time with the Danbury Trashers? Yeah, I mean, I want to say it was like a week or two after Thanksgiving in 2018. I got an email from McLean Way, who um, is one of the brothers, the Way brothers who produced the whole Untold series for Netflix. Um, The directors of Wild Wild Country from a few years ago that won all those awards on Netflix and uh, you know, I, ever since this team ended, I, I get approached all the time here and there about the trashers, and I, I kind of, like, leave it alone. I, I don't really pay attention to it too much, and this guy was relentless. He kept messaging me, messaging me, I got to talk to you, give me a chance. I was like, you know, he was like a, an annoying girlfriend, to be honest with you. He just kept <laughs> bugging me, bugging me. So finally, I was like, you know what? I, I gave him my number. He called me. 
and uh, immediately I just knew I was going to like him. And, and like, he gave me like this 90 second pitch about, um, you know, how he was contracted with his brother to produce these documentaries for Netflix. And uh, he started running down Malice in the Palace, Caitlyn Jenner, um, you know, uh, Christy Martin. And, and then he's like, well, we want the trashers. And I was just like, how are the trashers going <laughs> to, how are the trashers going to fit in with, with some of these big names and uh, you know, some of these big names and, and uh, big stories and, and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And uh, basically he was like, no, 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 we want this the most. Um, so anyway, he was pitching to me for like 90 seconds. You know, we want this He's rattling off all the stories. So um, I was like, how are the Danbury trashers going to fit in with, with this lineup that they're trying to push out? It's the first, you know, edition of this untold series for Netflix. I'm like, and he was, he was convinced. He's like, no, AJ, trust me. If you give us a chance, I promise you we're going to knock it out of the park. I talked to my dad about it. We kind of were like on the fence about it, you know, but we both kind of figured, hey, you know what? Since he's been out, we never really have spoken about it. We've never kind of came together and put this story to bed, you know, so to speak. So that's where we thought we were going to leave it, you know, put to bed. But, you know, it's kind of taken on a new life of its own at this point. And uh, it's they started filming about two years ago. And, um, you know, here we are. Yeah, I feel like uh, this documentary, because anybody who lives in Danbury or around Danbury, people have probably heard of the Trashers. Obviously, a lot of people went to the games when they were around. But it's almost like it's gone from like a local legend to like, wow, like the whole world knows about this team now, this team that was only around for two seasons. Uh, it really is a wild story. Um, I want to take you back to the first day, or at least when you found out that uh, you were going to be the general manager of this team. Uh, it's covered in the documentary. And, you know, you go to school that day. And as you mentioned in the, in the documentary, everybody's kind of looking at you weird. And you're like, all right, well, what, what's going on right now? Um, you know, you, you are you find out basically from your classmates that it's in the paper that you're new, the new general manager of the team. I mean, at that point, are your friends asking you like, hey, can I be assistant GM? Can I do this? Can I do that? <laughs> was there any of that going on at the time when you were in high school? Yeah, it was. So, you know, again, it really started the week before that day in school. You know, we're, we're having dinner, me and my dad, my, my family as a whole. And, uh, you know, my dad's a very serious individual, but he likes to joke around, too. And, uh, you know, he the way he said it, I just felt like he was playing around with me, to be honest. And uh, he was like, yeah, I'm going to start a hockey team uh, in, in, in the fall and you're going to run it for me, you know, and. and I wanted to joke back with him. So I'm like, yeah, of course. Sure, dad, you know, whatever you want. Yeah. And that was the end of the conversation, you know? And uh, like I said, a week later, um, you know, teachers are coming up to me, congratulating me. And I'm just, I was so weirded out. Uh, I went to the library and there it wasn't in the paper. And, and I, honestly, dude, I was, I was so shocked. I, I didn't even know what to say. I mean, uh, I was in school physically, but mentally I was just like, what is going on? Right. The funniest thing about the story that wasn't in the doc was when I got home that night, you know, after seeing this, my dad came home. We didn't say a word to each other about it. It was almost like we were playing chicken. Like who was going to be the first one to bring up the, 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 this, uh, you know, who was going to be the first one to bring this up? And I didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. So, you know, that night I'm sitting there, you know, up. I couldn't sleep. And, and honestly, I wanted to back out. I was like, I thought he was kidding. Like, I, I can't do this. You know, I'm going to college. I, you know, what's going to happen to my social life? You know, but I was like, you know what? My dad always taught me you got to you got to keep your word. And whether I took it as a joke or not, I told him I was going to do it. So 
I, I didn't back out. But the funniest thing was we just never even discussed. Like we had that kind of like seven second funny interaction at dinner. That was kind of like our, our agreement. We never spoke, you know, I never confronted him to be like, hey, dad, you know, is this for real? We just started going to work. We didn't like, we didn't, we just went, we just winged it. We, we just yeah. went, we didn't like, we didn't talk about it, you know, afterward. Yeah, no, it, it's crazy. Um, how, how difficult was it? Cause this is talked about in the documentary a little bit too. Um, you know, you're a high school hockey player and unfortunately, you know, you have that leg injury and you can't, you can't play the sport anymore. And I mean, basically in the blink of an eye, you go from being a high school hockey player to being, you know, a general manager. How difficult was it to, to not be able to play the game anymore? Cause I, I really felt for you during that part of the documentary. Cause clearly you love yeah, the sport. You know, I mean, ho hockey was, you know, such a big part of my life. I mean, um, I truly enjoyed playing it. I just enjoyed the whole environment, you know, the team atmosphere, the whole night. I just loved the game. And, uh, you know, getting hurt. I mean, it was my senior year. It was like my second game of my senior year. It was, it was a real bummer because we had a good team and um, we ended up still making the States that year. And uh, even without me playing, but I really, I thought we could have done so much with that team and we did, but it was devastating to me not to be able to be part of it. Um, you know, be on the ice with the guys and, and, you know, we, we, we had a good season and, and it just, it kind of sucked that I couldn't be on the ice with them to contribute, you know, any way I could. It's, it's um just such a helpless feeling, you know, and um, you know, it was tough. It, it was, it was really tough, but um, you know, you got to play the, the cards you dealt. Just want to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by betonline.ag. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is also brought to you by DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. 
Now, as for the trashers, you know, it felt like, you know, watching this documentary and, you know, unfortunately, I never got to a trasher game. And I can now say it's my biggest regret in my everything I've done with sports in my life, you know, playing sports, watching sports, covering sports. But, you know, there was a real connection, it seemed, between these players and the people of Danbury. Just talk about that dynamic a little bit. I mean, this thing really just blew up right away. And and you could tell, um, you know, the fans love the players. The players love the fans. Um, just, Just talk a little bit about that dynamic, if you can. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, Danbury's a blue collar town, you know what I mean? And, and in a sense, I've always considered, you know, I grew up here, so I've always considered Danbury kind of like an underdog city. And what I mean by that is we're so close to New York that it almost feels like we're in New York, but we're not. And Connecticut, we're ne- we're, we don't seem to be a big enough city for Connecticut to like get a lot of coverage or, you know, things of that nature. So I've, I've always felt like we've kind of had like this underdog theme to us, in my opinion. And, and I think a lot of people are starting to see that too. And, you know, these players, a lot of them were underdogs. You know, a lot of them were, you know, the, the island of misfit toys. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of these guys, truthfully, they weren't wanted like in other teams. So I really feel like there was just this subconscious like connection right off the bat with, with, our marketing, like how we wanted to market this team, how we wanted to market this team for Danbury, um, the type of player, the the breed of these players we were bringing in, uh, and skill players, by the way. They had like the same mentality. And the fans just, I don't know, man. I, it just like, we just caught lightning in a bottle. And I just feel like everyone felt connected to each other. And like fans really, and it's such a cliche thing, but they really were part of this team. And, you know, especially like Section 102. And I mean, we had just such a, a big base that um, just was growing organically, really. Yeah, I think you made a great point there. You know, when you have a team, especially in hockey, I think this is true because I can remember the Rangers back in 2005, 2006, like all the experts were, were picking them to finish dead last and they're barely going to win any games and this, that, and the other thing. And it's basically like how you just described the trashers. It was basically, you know, a team of castaways and misfits and guys that nobody wanted. And I think those players on the Rangers and maybe the same thing happened to the trashers, you'd know better than me, but they kind of rally around that idea of, well, you know, nobody wants us. So let's go out there and, yeah. and kick some ass and, and, and surprise some people. Hundred percent. I mean, these guys all knew, like, what we were. Lo- we were very upfront with the players. Like, listen, this was the type of league where you're a step and a half away from the biggest league in, in hockey, but you're also a step and a half away from being real far. You know, and you got guys that were on their way up, and you got guys that were on their way down trying to hold on. So, we were very upfront. Like, listen, we're all about winning. We want everyone to do the best they, you know, we want everyone to have career seasons here in one capacity or another, but we also, we were looking to entertain our fans. And um, we, we were very like, we told them like, look, the more we can do with marketing, the more we can do with merchandise, with, with attendance, all we're going to do is take that and put it right back into you guys, right and back to the team all the amenities we can get you. Um, We wanted, my father always stressed to me, we cannot give anyone an excuse to say they didn't have something. We wanted to make sure, uh, I mean, we wanted to give them the best of everything, honestly. And uh, they bought in. I mean, they bought in and and they realized like, hey, listen, they're going to, the more fun we are as a team, the more we're bringing in, it's just going to recycle back to us. And we're just going to have more opportunity, more amenities. And, 
they 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 bought in and it, and it was important for us to really explain to them how we wanted to market this team and, and what we expected. Yeah, um, I had a question also. This was not covered in the documentary, I don't think. It's actually kind of a two-parter here. But um, for starters, you know, obviously, 17-year-old general manager, how did the other uh, general managers around the league kind of receive you? I mean, were they were they nice to you or was it like, who does this kid think he is? Like, like how was that dynamic, first of all? I wouldn't know because we never talked to anybody. You know, I mean, we didn't we didn't go to. Um, listen, here's the thing. When I, even though I was 17, I, I wasn't stupid. I knew immediately when it was announced that my dad was going to start this team and I was going to do my part in running it. I knew a thousand percent that I was going to get a lot of crap from people. Oh, he's spoiled. Who does this kid think? He is? I knew naturally I was going to get that. So part of me, going back to my love for wrestling and being a heel, part of me amplified this personality. I mean, don't get me wrong. What you saw in the documentary, that was me. It wasn't an act. But I amplified that. I amplified the fact that I was 17. I amplified the fact that how I used to dress. I took it to another level because people became so obsessed with the story and the storyline that it became like, People wanted some people wanted to see us fail because of me and the way we were acting. We didn't even play a game and we were declaring ourselves the bad boys of hockey. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. If I'm sitting at the other side of the table, I'm thinking, who the hell is this kid? You know, who? so I, I can imagine what people thought um, and rightfully so. But that's how we were going to do it. And I mean, um, we set the tone right off the bat. I mean, the offseason going into our first year, I mean, we didn't attend the mandatory like owner meeting or GM meeting. You know, we sent my mother and my uh, 13 year old sister in our place. You know what I mean? And uh, we just, we let it be known like, Hey, you know what? Um, we're, we're here. We're here, man. We're, we're going to do, you know, we paid our league dues. We got our schedule. We're, we're coming to win. You know, yeah. we're, we're not looking to be buddy, buddy. We're not looking to be pals. And uh, look, I can imagine how it rubbed people, but that's, that's how we were going to stick to stick to our script. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse just so happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could possibly need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Yeah, I saw something, uh, again, this is not in the documentary either, but something that I read was that uh, there might have been people around the league, including the commissioner, who I'll ask you about in a second, but some people thought it was an April Fool's joke when it was announced, because I guess, you know, the announcement was made on April 1st. Uh, Was there any truth to that? Did they they ask you, hey, is this? No, listen, the other thing, too, was, you know, and and you know, back in 2004, Danbury wasn't a hockey hotbed, right? So we had the ice arena. 
half, you know, the arena you see now, you know, um, you know, that half of the arena with all those seats wasn't even there. The main seats were there, but it wasn't a hockey hotbed. So how are we, we're going to make this announcement, right? Who's going to come from the media other than the local paper? So how do we get the media intrigued? So we made it on April Fool's Day purposely. Um, kind of people were like kind of weirded out by that. And um, we didn't let people put two and two together. We basically told them, hey, on April Fool's Day, we're making this big announcement. It wasn't like we just said April 1st. We, so just putting it out there, April Fool's, people were like kind of tweaked out about it. And then we leaked it that we signed Gretzky. So between the April Fool's, between the name Gretzky, between a 17-year-old, between my father with no experience in sports management, we got a pretty good turnout for that, for that press conference just because of the curiosity factor. Because, frankly, without that, without those leaks or anything, I mean, who, how many people are going to come? We don't know. You know, we, we had to make sure, you know, we, we had to make a splash right off, right off the bat. Yeah, I think when you kind of, um, you know, leave people wondering about, you know, what's going on here, naturally, that's probably going to be the reaction. When, when people don't really have a grasp on the situation, they're just going to naturally take more interest in it. Um, I wanted to also ask you about, so I, I watched the documentary for a second time, and this time, you know, all those newspaper articles, they appear on the screen, and they're only on the screen for like half a second, but what I was doing the second time through is I was actually pausing the documentary and, you know, kind of just seeing what was being written, what was being said about you guys, and there was yeah. one that I have to ask you about, like, it said that uh, your father actually prepaid fines for the future. Like he knew basically that the team was going to get fined again. And so he basically paid up front. Uh, is that, is, is that accurate? Is that how it went Yeah, down? I mean, I mean, what happened was, you know, <laughs> Commissioner Brussel, Mr. Brussel, I mean, we, we love each other and yeah. uh, you know, he loved to hate us, especially back then, but he had a job to do. So I'd be getting like, you know, for the most part, he would deal with my father, but any disciplinarian stuff, he'd come right to me and I'd have to hear it. And uh, I remember once I called my dad when I, you know, he would call me every Monday when I was on my way back from Danbury, back to going to Manhattanville College. I, I would get the call. I'd be on 684. He'd call me. Whatever we did that weekend, he'd be yelling at me. And, uh, you know, you know, that one night, you know, that one day in particular, I called my dad. I'm like, hey, you know, Mr. Brissell was breaking my stones about this. And he was laughing. He goes, do me a favor. He goes, tell him like a lawyer, we'll put a retainer out there. Just tell him how much does he think he wants? And he could just deduct it. He goes, cause I'm getting tired of writing these checks every week. Yeah. So I told him that. And, uh, Mr. You know, Mr. Brissot like, no, no, you can't do that. And my dad just wrote the check anyway. And, uh, I believe they just, you know, it was like a tab. They were just, you know, they were just docking it. Yeah, no, that, that's that's too funny. Um, I wanted to ask you about Commissioner Brussell because, you know, I watched this documentary. I almost get the sense that there's, you know, while the trashers were around, there was almost kind of like a love-hate relationship between the two of you. Like, you know, at first it's like, you know, he's coming after you. Oh, you know, you guys are embarrassing the sport of hockey. You're doing this, you're doing that. But then, you know, he starts to see all the hype and all the buzz and, you know, this this place is filled to the rafters every single night and he starts to recognize like, hey, you know, this is, if it's good for the trashers, it's good for the league. You know, there, there's more attention. Um, just talk about, you know, that little bit, that relationship that you had uh, with Commissioner Brussell there, if you can. Oh, I mean, I think, you know, people were asking me all the time, like how accurate the documentary was. And honestly, I would say it's like 98% accurate. I think what resonated with me and how I knew it was going to be an accurate, like I, I knew it was going to be a good one was in the way beginning when, when Mr. Brussell describes meeting me for the first time, 
that's verbatim exactly how it went. I'll never forget his face when he met me. And uh, we just had this, like, I had this, like, I loved him, but he had this love hate with us, but I knew deep down he loved it, but he couldn't express it. Obviously he has to be unbiased, obviously, but um, me and him, it was kind of like a com. It, it, it reminds me of like an old 90s sitcom where you have like the principal and the, and the little bad kid, but he's really a good kid. And the principal, I can see that. That's how it was with us. It was like a, it was like a boy meets world situation. You know what I mean? Like he knew, he knew what I was doing and vice versa, but um, we had a good time together. I mean, I would, we would bust his chops and, and, and don't let him fool you. He would have fun with us too, but you know, we knew with him, there was a line and, and he was a commissioner and we, and we did contrary to belief, we respected his position. All right, so once again, a big, big thanks to AJ Galante for joining the podcast here today and talking about what was obviously a very eventful tenure as general manager of the Danbury Trashers. Like I said, during the intro, we will have part two of our conversation with AJ at some point next week. But for tomorrow's episode, we're going to turn our attention right back to the Rangers. They have just opened training camp and Gerard Gallant's press conference just wrapped up. It's Wednesday as I'm recording this. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about everything that's happening at training camp and also the biggest takeaways from Gallant's presser. But that will do it for today, guys. If you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert, Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts.